Thank you, worship team. Um, please keep uh, Pastor uh, Justin and Jessica and their family uh, in your prayers. They will be uh, traveling back uh, tomorrow to be with us on uh, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, just a quick reminder, we do have uh, breakfast potluck at 8.30 Sunday morning, so we will feed you physically, and then we will feed you spiritually. Um, it's going to be a great time, so uh, you don't want to miss that. And if you uh, don't have a place to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, we welcome you here at uh, 10 a.m. So we are gathered here today to uh, remember the work of the cross. We are gathered to remember what Christ did for us on the cross those 2,000 years ago, that we are now under a new covenant that is not of law or works, but of grace uh, through faith. Um, and uh, this message, I'm going to uh, be uh, focusing around uh, the, uh, the elements of communion, around the uh, Last Supper, as we are going to partake in communion at the end of uh, service. And 1 Corinthians 10, 16, and 17 says, The cup of blessing which we bless is not uh, the communion of the blood. The bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ. For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of one bread. That we get to partake of the cup of blessing and not the cup of wrath that we rightfully deserve. That it was his body that was broken for us that we may receive whole bodies. of his blood that was shed on the cross uh, as a sacrifice for our sins. That until Christ, it was the blood of our sacrifices and our bodies that were broken by sin. That we were in debt to pay our debt throughout all of eternity, that we uh, were not, we could not be made whole by the law or by our own actions, but we are saved uh, by grace through faith that is not of our own works that no one may boast. Colossians 2, uh, 13, 14 tells us, uh, and we being dead in our trespasses and sins and the uncircumcision of the flesh has made us alive together in him, having wiped, having forgiven you all Trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, that it is by Christ we have been saved, that our our debt has been nailed to the cross, that that which was held against us has been forgiven. That is what we are called to remember today. So we're going to go, uh, the first cup that I want to talk about is the cup of remembrance. Uh, it was at the institution of the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 26, where I've received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me in the same manner in which he took the cup uh, uh, after supper, saying, This cup is a cup of my new covenant, cup of my blood. This you do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For often as you drink this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. That we are to take communion in remembrance of Christ. Now, remembering can be a very powerful thing and also be a very painful thing, but it is a necessary thing. It is how we learn. It is how 
oh, we grow. If we could not remember that fire was hot, we would be walking around a bunch of uh, crispy people. So what are we being asked to remember? That we would remember not only that Christ, what Christ went through on our behalf, uh, but also the elements of communion, the bread of the Passover that was unleavened bread that had holes uh, poked in, that had stripes on it, that the holes and the stripes representing the flogging of the uh, cat of nine tails and the Roman spear that pierced his side and the Roman nails that held him to the cross, that the unleavened bread uh, representing that he was the sinless uh, lamb of God. We're also asked to remember what he, Christ, endured on our behalf, that he was sinless, blameless, and perfect, that he lived a sinless life, that we were saved by his life, that he is a true spotless lamb of God, that everything that he did was full of love, grace, mercy, and truth, that for the first 30 years of his life, he was a serving, loving, that he, he, he appeared normal, that he appeared like everyone else, that he went to uh, Jewish school and he obeyed his parents, but he did everything out of love and serving. He did everything out of obedience to his father. That the stripes, that he endured 39 stripes upon his back, that, we were, that he endured ridicule and the abandonment of all those whom he had, he had been sent to save, of all those that had followed him those three years of his ministry. We were asked to remember the cup of God's wrath that is poured out on him entirely, that he... That he we remember that he endured the cross. We remember that the weight of all the sins of the world hung on his shoulders. We are called to remember the new covenant in Christ's blood. That this cup is the new covenant in my blood. In receiving the cup, we are called to remember the blood of Jesus Christ and the new covenant. That the Passover and meal featured several cups of wine, each with a different title. And the cup in which Jesus referred to was the cup of Redemption symbolizing the freedom that the people of Israel experienced from Egypt. And the idea that his blood confirmed a new covenant that changed our relationship with God. Now there cannot be a new covenant without bloodshed. And it was the blood of Christ in which we find this new covenant. But what is this new covenant all about? is about the inner transformation that cleanses us from all our sin. As Jeremiah 31, 34 reminds us, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. That he has blotted out our sin, our shame, our transgression, that he cast our, our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Uh, that it is about God's word and his will in us. As Jeremiah 31, 33 says, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts that we are under the will of God, that we're called to obedience, we're called to holiness. And it's about a new close relationship with God. As Jeremiah 31, 33 reminds us, I will be their God and they shall be my people. That is because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can have a new covenant with God, a new covenant relationship with God. Uh, but many Christians live their lives with no inner transformation. They live their lives as if there is no cleansing from sin. They live their lives as if there is no word and will of God in our hearts. They live as if there is no new and close relationship with God. But if we truly remember 
we will live differently. We will live, we will do our due diligence to proclaim the gospel in both word and in action. If we truly remember, our lives will be changed. If we truly remember, we will remember the gifts that have been given to us through salvation, that we have received salvation from our sins. We have been saved from the wrath of God towards us, that we will receive the grace of God, that we uh, we have received what we don't deserve and can never earn, that we receive the mercy of God, that God has withheld his wrath, that we deserve, that we have received righteousness that is not our own, but through Christ, that we have received unconditional love, that there's nothing that we can do to earn or lose the love of God. We have received forgiveness from our sin, and they have been wiped clean, and we have received a relationship with God, and we can go before the creator of this universe and have a personal, intimate relationship with God. We get to know him personally as he knows us as he created and formed us. So let us remember that he got what we deserved, that we might have what he gave up, that he gave up everything, and we gain everything through Christ. The second element of communion is the bread of communion. Both First uh, Corinthians chapter 10 and 11 uh, mention this. First Corinthians 10, 17 says, for though many, we are one bread, one body, for we all partake of that one bread. And 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen through 20 says, For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it, for there must also be factions among you, and those who are approved by may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat. I record the wrong pastor scripture. My bad. Um, but first, uh, but we are to come together in uh, communion with Christ. We partake of uh, communion. That there is an intended unity. There is an intended closeness. There is a bond that goes throughout the church that we all partake of the elements of communion, one body, and one flesh. That there be no divisions among us, that, there would, that we all partake of the body of Christ, that there is no division of the body of Christ, that there is no part of the body that is more important than the other. The hand is not more important than the head, or the finger is more important than the toes, but we all serve a purpose, and we share of the same cup, the cup of his blood shed for us all. That communion and identifying ourselves with the body of Christ, that there is no division here or found among us. That this is not just an organized uh, group of people all gathered together for their love of golf or football or sports. And those crowds, uh, you relatively get the same type of person, or at least they all share the love of the game, or the love of a sports team. How come uh, two sports fans can comfort each other better after a loss than most church members uh, do? But Christ will unify two people with nothing in common other than the fact that they breathe oxygen. Christ can unify a Florida fan and a Tennessee fan 
We are living proof of that. The third weekend of September is a little rough. You don't want to drive by our house. Things might get thrown out the window, but Christ can unify the most intense rivalries. Uh, we see this uh, in his discipleship with Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. They are both disciples of Jesus, one looking to overthrow the Roman rule and the other actively betrayed his Jewish brothers and sisters and was protected by the Roman guard, but yet both now a disciple of Jesus. And we are called to the same. If you look around this room, there's a lot of people with different hobbies, different age ranges, different backgrounds, uh, different pastimes. But we all have one unifier that reigns above all, them all, which is Christ. We are to eat with care for and be with, therefore, one another far more than any sports fan should be there for their friend. We are called to communion, we are called to forgive, we are called to love one another, to be one body, that there would be no division found among us, that we would commune with one another regularly and break bread. The second cup is the cup of wrath. That Christ has received the cup of wrath and judgment when we, when he deserved the cup of blessing. Isaiah 53, 5-12 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed, and all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before his shears is silent. He opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people, and they made his grave the wicked. And with a rich man in his death, although he had, had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him, that he was put to open grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted as righteous. He shall bear their, their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil of the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors that he was pierced for our iniquities, pierced for our transgression, crushed for our iniquities. That was our failings, our sins, and our shortcomings that nailed him to the cross, and yet he intercedes for us daily. That it was the love of God towards humanity that held him to the cross, that his love going forth to set us free from sin, that he bore the weight of sins, upon humanity, 
that having the purpose, perfect, sinless Christ who felt the full weight of sin and yet he did not fail, be crushed under the weight of our sin and the wrath of God do sin. That was for you and for me that he did this. That was out of obedience to God that he did this, that Christ died for us that we might have received the righteousness of God. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The sinless, spotless lamb of God bore all our sin. Can you imagine the weight as he hung on the cross? So what was in the cup of wrath? I want to adequately describe to you the wrath of God towards sin. But I can no more do that than I can describe the love of God that he has for you. But what we do know is that he loves you enough to send his son the only begotten Son, to die for you, that he received our due judgment and our sin. That 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That this is the great exchange for us, but also the worst deal in human history for him, that he exchanged a crown of glory for a crown of thorns. He exchanged grace for wrath, righteousness for sin, heaven for earth, relationship with God for relationship with humanity. The sins of humanity were laid upon his back, that he was for the first time in all of eternity separated and cut off from the grace and the love and the mercy of God. And he experienced the full wrath of God towards sin. And he got what we deserved. We see the anguish and the pain of Christ at Gethsemane at the Mount of Olives in Luke 22, 39 through 46. And it says, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives and he was accustomed, and his, as he was, was accustomed, his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter temptation. He was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Then the angel of heaven appeared to him from heaven and strengthened him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from the prayer and came and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter temptation. So great was the cup that Christ prayed three times for it to pass from him. So great was the cup that it caused him to sweat drops of blood. So great was the cup that he was exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death, as Mark 14.34 tells us. So great was the cup that he prays as a little boy calling for his dad, as Mark 14.36 says, Abba, Father, all things are possible Take this cup away from me, but nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will be done. Can you imagine the cup as a, as a dam a thousand miles high and a thousand miles wide? And as you stand a mile from it, you see it break in front of you. There's no getting out from under. There's no swift of foot. There is no boat that can save you. But as right as it's about to hit your feet, the ground opens up and takes down 
every drop. That is what Christ did for you and for me. He took the full wrath of God to do us towards sin, and He drank it all down in our stead that we might receive the righteousness of God. Christ did not pray for the cross or for the Roman nail or for the whip to pass from Him. He was not anguished or sweat drops of blood because of the whip, but it was because of the cup, the cup that we deserved. But we have received the cup of blessing. And 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17 says, But of but the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread in which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. That this is the cup of the new covenant. And the new covenant is not maintained by our ability to keep the laws or ceremonies or forgiven through constant animal sacrifices. No. And Matthew 26, 27, 28 says, And when we take of the cup, and when we have given thanks, we, we have gave it, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is my blood. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. That the new covenant is based on the faith, our faith in the blood shed on the cross by Jesus Christ. That his blood takes away our sin. It is not based on repeated sacrifices or any type of work. We are now forgiven by the blood of Christ and by our own and not by our own sacrifices or works. So what was in the cup of blessing? Salvation was in the cup. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For great by grace through faith you have been saved, that this is not of your own works, but a gift of God. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For we have been saved by grace through faith. Our obedience, our fruit, and our lives are evidence of the gift. They are not works towards the gift. They are not earnings of the gift. They are not deservings of the gift, but they are evidence of the gift received. That we are not working towards salvation, but we're responding to the gift of salvation. Eternal life was in the cup. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, that we have received eternal life through faith in Jesus. That righteousness was in the cup of blessing as 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, For he, has, he made him who knew no sin, that we might, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That this is not a righteousness of our own, but an imputed, a free given righteousness through Christ, that we are in right standing with God. And lastly, we have received relationship with God and John 15:15 15, 15 says no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing but I have called you friends for all these things I have that I heard from my father I have made known to you that we have unlimited access 
to the throne room of God. We have unlimited access to the God of all creation. That the God that created it all, we get to talk to, be with, and know personally. That we have received the bread of life. And John 6.35 says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. That we have received the bread of life. We have received the word made flesh. If you are hungry, if you are desperate, if you don't know where to go, may I encourage you to go to the bread of life. That these are the words of the one true God. That this is the, that Christ is the word made flesh. That everything in the world says, I will satisfy you. But there is only one thing that will truly satisfy, and that is the word of God. That is relationship with God. That is the word made flesh. He promised that he who comes to me shall never hunger nor thirst, that he who eats of me shall never die but shall live. That we must commune and eat with God daily through his word, through prayer, and through worship, that we or we will go hungry. And when we get hungry, we will begin looking for other places of satisfaction. A hungry person will settle for any sort of food, whether it's McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's. They just want substance but a satisfied person waits for what is good for him that will nourish him nourish him and satisfy them again and the last cup before we go into a time of communion is the cup of self-reflection in first corinthians 11 27 through 34 says Therefore, whoever eats of this bread or drinks of this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the holy, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many of you are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge for ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. So let us take time this morning to self-examine ourselves. That if there is any sin found among us, if we are guilty of looking for other places for satisfaction, that, that we would take time to remove those things from our lives that we would be found spotless and blameless before the Lord. And let's ultimately remember that we get to partake in the cup of blessing and in the bread of life because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is, it was our body that should have been broken. That is our blood that should have been poured out. But it is his body and his blood that was broken and shed for us that we may be whole, that we may receive the bread of life. So as we go into a time of communion, you do not need to be a member of this church to partake, but we do ask, but Scripture mandates that we must be saved, that you confess Christ as Lord, that you take time to self-examine yourself, that there may be no blemish found in you. So as the song plays, um, take time, reflect, self-examine, and then once you're ready, uh, 
we will distribute the elements of communion at the front. We'll proceed with administering of the Lord's Supper. We're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may partake of the bread. And in the same manner, he also took the cup. After supper, saying, This is my new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. Do this in remembrance of me. You may partake of the cup. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In your name, Jesus, amen. Just as we wrap up tonight's service, uh, just a reminder on Sunday, we'll begin our morning. Our, our, he's risen, so that's good news. So wake up and praise the Lord when you get out of bed right away. And then we're going to have a breakfast potluck at 8.30. So something new that Pastor Jessica and Mama Jay are, are going to throw at us. And so make something good, get here about 8.30, we'll, we'll eat and fellowship. And then 10 o'clock we'll have our Sunday morning um, service in here. So um, as Mama Jay said, invite somebody, uh, get someone to come to church that day and, and spread the good news of our risen Savior. Let's close in prayer. Oh, Jesus, we come to you tonight just with gratitude in our hearts for that sacrifice that you made for us today. Today is that day, Good Friday. You follow the will of your Father. You went to that cross being obedient to him to be slain for our sins, each and every one of us. Lord, just help us to have appreciation in our heart for what you did. Help us to self-reflect in our heart for what you did, Lord, and just be so grateful for that blessing that we don't have to follow that old law anymore. We follow the new covenant, which is Jesus Christ, your son. Thank you for that sacrifice. And God, we just are appreciative of what you are doing for us in our church and in our life and our community. Father, as we wrap up tonight, we just ask that you be with us the next couple days as we wait until the rising of your son, Jesus Christ, on Sunday morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.